our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth, who keeps truth forever, and who never forsakes the works of his hands. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ in the communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation, shall we sing? And we will sing Psalter 403, all the stanzas. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing unto our God. 403, all stanzas.
congregation, we first will submit ourselves to the holy law of God, and then let us sing Psalter 289, the third stanza. 289, the third stanza, after we first listen to God's holy law. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath all that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments." Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's.
congregation, we are called to administer the sacrament of holy baptism to seven children of the congregation, and therefore let us read the appropriate form as you find on page 126 at the back of your Psalters. The principal parts of the doctrine of holy baptism are these three. First, that we, with our children, are conceived and born in sin, and therefore are children of wrath, insomuch that we cannot enter into the kingdom of God, except we are born again. This, the dipping in, or sprinkling with water, teaches us, whereby the impurity of our souls is signified, and we are admonished to loathe and humble ourselves before God and seek for our purification and salvation outside of ourselves. Secondly, holy baptism witnesseth and sealeth unto us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. Therefore we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. For when we are baptized in the name of the Father, God the Father witnesseth and sealeth unto us that he doth make an eternal covenant of grace with us and adopts us for his children and heirs and therefore will provide us with every good thing and avert all evil or turn it to our profit. And when we are baptized in the name of the Son, the Son sealeth unto us that he doth wash us in his blood from all our sins, incorporating us into the fellowship of his death and resurrection, so that we are freed from all our sins and are accounted righteous before God. In like manner, when we are baptized in the name of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost assures us by this holy sacrament that he will dwell in us and sanctify us to be members of Christ, applying unto us that which we have in Christ, namely the washing away of our sins and the daily renewing of our lives, till we shall finally be presented without spot or wrinkle among the assembly of the elect in life eternal. Thirdly, whereas in all covenants there are contained two parts, therefore are we by God through baptism admonished of and obliged unto new obedience, namely that we cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that we trust in him and love him with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our mind, and with all our strength, that we forsake the world, crucify our old nature, and walk in a new and holy life. And if we sometimes through weakness fall into sin, we must not therefore despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin, since baptism is a seal and undoubted testimony that we have an eternal covenant of grace with God. And although our young children do not understand these things, we may not therefore exclude them from baptism. For as they are without their knowledge 
partakers of the condemnation in Adam, so are they again received unto grace in Christ. As God speaketh unto Abraham, the father of all the faithful, and therefore unto us and our children, saying, I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. This also the apostle Peter testifieth with these words, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Therefore God formally commanded them to be circumcised, which was a seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. And therefore Christ also embraced them, laid his hands upon them, and blessed them. Since then baptism is come in the place of circumcision, therefore infants are to be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. And parents are in duty bound further to instruct their children herein when they shall arrive to years of discretion. That therefore this holy ordinance of God may be administered to his glory, to our comfort, and to the edification of his church, let us call upon his holy name. O almighty and eternal God, thou who hast according to thy severe judgment punished the unbelieving and unrepentant world with a flood, and hast according to thy great mercy saved and protected believing Noah and his family, thou who hast drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, and hast led thy people Israel through the midst of the sea upon dry ground, by which baptism was signified, we beseech thee that thou will be pleased of thine infinite mercy, graciously to look upon these children, and incorporate them by thy Holy Spirit into thy Son, Jesus Christ, that they may be buried with him into his death, and be raised with him in newness of life, that they may daily follow him, joyfully bearing their cross, and cleave unto him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love, that they may, with a comfortable sense of thy favor, leave this life, which is nothing but a continual death, and at the last day may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ thy Son, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with thee and the Holy Ghost, one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. I request now the baptismal parents to rise. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have heard that baptism is an ordinance of God to seal unto us and to our seed his covenant. Therefore it must be used for that end and not out of custom or superstition. That it may then be manifest that you are thus minded, 
you are to answer sincerely to these questions. First, whether you acknowledge that although our children are conceived and born in sin and therefore are subject to all miseries, yea, to condemnation itself, yet that they are sanctified in Christ and therefore as members of his church ought to be baptized. Secondly, whether you acknowledge the doctrine which is contained in the Old and New Testaments and in the articles of the Christian faith, and which is taught here in this Christian church to be the true and perfect doctrine of salvation. Whether, thirdly, whether you promise and intend to see these children when come to the years of discretion, whereof you are the parents to be instructed and brought up in the aforesaid doctrine, or help or cause them to be instructed therein to the utmost of your power. Hank Bakeman, what is your answer? And Katie Bakeman, your answer. And Gia Decker, what is your answer? And Jelaine Decker, your answer. And Marvin Fioret, your answer. And Helene Fioret, your answer. And Peter Sinke, your answer. And Lydia Sinke, your answer. And Raylene van der Brownhorst, your answer. And Jerry van der Brownhorst, do you support your wife in her answer? Derek van der Marl, your answer. And Leanne van der Marl, your answer. And Marco van Hugenbos, your answer. And Elizabeth van Hugenbos, your answer. Beloved, you know the form for infant baptism is so very beautiful. It's a portrayal of the Word of God. It's a portrayal of what the Lord said to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, your, thy God. Because at this moment, or actually prior already, even before birth, the Lord adopts our children to be his children. They are precious. And the Son of God declares that he washes and cleanses your children from their sins. That's how close God comes to us in baptism. But baptism also tells us we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit declares that he is willing to give us all we stand in need of. And therefore, baptism is a rich pleading ground. The Lord connects his triune name to the name of your child. And so you may plead upon what the Lord has promised and what the Lord graciously will fulfill. And so may you may raise your children in hope, in expectation. We will now...
continue with the administration of holy baptism, and let us first sing Psalter 431, verse 4. And after the administration of baptism, then we will rise and sing Psalter 425, verse 5. So first, 431, verse 4, and after baptism, standing, 425, verse 5. Liam Hendrick, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Jackson Rainier, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Eddie Elena, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Ariana Katerina, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Brooke Riley, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Callum Jesse, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Theodore Henry, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
We will now offer a prayer of thanksgiving as we find in the form for baptism. Almighty God and merciful Father, we thank and praise Thee that Thou hast forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of Thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and received us through Thy Holy Spirit as members of Thine only begotten Son, and adopted us to be Thy children, and sealed and confirmed the same unto us by holy baptism. We beseech Thee through the same Son of Thy love that Thou will be pleased always to govern these baptized children by Thy Holy Spirit, that they may be piously and religiously educated, increase and grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they then may acknowledge Thy fatherly goodness and mercy, which Thou hast shown to them and us, and live in all righteousness under our only teacher, King and High Priest, Jesus Christ, and manfully fight against and overcome sin, the devil and his whole dominion, to the end that they may eternally praise and magnify Thee and Thy Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Ghost, the one only true God. Amen. Congregation, we will now open the Word of God, and we will read from Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, and we will read the verses 17 through 22. The scripture reading is Exodus 13. We read the verses 17 through the end of the chapter, verse 22. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they returned to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Epham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people, 
so far the reading of God's Word. The text for the sermon is verse 21 and 22, where we read again, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Shall we now unite in prayer and ask the Lord for a blessing upon this service? It is thy goodness, O Lord, that we could meet one another again here in thy house of worship this morning. And thou hast already blessed us with so many blessings that we could hear thy holy law, which is meant to uncover us and which is also given as a promise that thou shalt renew thy people after the law of God, that they will learn to love thee with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is the aim of life, that we would love Thee with all we have. And therefore, Lord, we have also witnessed administration of baptism, and therein we are called to love Thee with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. And Lord, we confess that we need Thee. We are but a needy and a poor people in ourselves. We confess that our natural inclination is to depart from Thee. Our natural inclination is not to honor Thee, but to seek ourselves, to seek that which belongs to our, ourselves. And Lord, so we confess unto Thee, Lord, our sins, our shortcomings, also upon this day. But Lord, we pray Thee especially for these baptismal parents, Lord, Thou hast given them a rich blessing. And we confess, Lord, that we do not fathom the depth of this Thy blessing. We look at the people of Israel who were led through the Red Sea, who had gone through the wilderness, and they came to the Promised Land, and they did not believe Thee. They were sent back into the wilderness while thou hadst done such great miracles in leading them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and yet they believed thee not. They did not trust in the living God. And, O Lord, thou hast brought us, so to speak, through the Red Sea, when thou hast set us apart from the world, when thou hast declared upon us that we belong to thee. And if we belong to Thee, we may ask all things we need of Thee, and we may plead Thy promises that Thou hast graciously given, and that we should not look at the outward circumstances, that we, we would not be, be, be considering our own estimations and what we think will happen. But, Lord, let us look at thy holy word. We pray that for these baptismal parents, 
that they may with care and love and diligence raise their children in the fear of the Lord. They only have them for a limited time. And before they will be aware of it, they will have left their parental home or be taken away by some other cause. But, O Lord, whatever it may be, we only have our children for a limited time. And therefore wilt thou give grace to these baptismal parents that they will not only instruct their children in the fear of thy name, but that they will also be a living example of godliness, that thy name would be honored, that thy day would be kept, that thy word would be revered, that thy name would be feared. O Lord, wilt thou so work in the hearts of these baptismal parents. For their yes word that they have given is implicitly a call to repentance, also to them, that they would seek their covenant God. And Lord, that counts also for grandparents. We thank thee when they may be present, witnessing the the baptism of their grandchildren, or maybe their even great-grandparents, Lord, Thou knowest all circumstances. We thank Thee that Thou dost work through the generations. And in moments like this, we may think of previous generations and what Thou hast wrought in their lives, in difficulties they went through, but that they could testify of a true living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing when we may have such ancestors, such forebearers, but may we also walk in these footsteps. May we also first seek Thee, the living God. Lord, Thy Word tells us so frankly. We may open our mouth wide, and Thou shalt fill it. Oh, let us bring all our needs unto Thee, also in the upbringing of children, also when they become a bit older. Lord, we pray, wilt thou give grace to parents who have the task in wisdom and in forbearance and in, in being forthright to raise their children with a degree of strictness and with, with much love and care and consideration. Give these parents grace in fulfilling their task. And wilt thou change hearts and grant that blessed grace of regeneration that they would be, that, that, that the young people may learn to fear thee in their young years, that they would be kept from much misery and harm, that they would have direction in their lives, that they would realize what life is all about, that it's not about us, but it's about thee and about thy honor and about knowing Thee, and loving Thee, and belonging to Thee. O Lord, we pray Thee for the outpouring of Thy Holy Spirit upon the whole congregation. Wilt Thou bless this flock? Thou hast blessed her in the past with faithful ministries, and Thou hast not forsaken her. Lord, wilt Thou continue to be with her? Wilt Thou revive Thy cause? Will thou arise and show thy power also here in the midst of this congregation? Lord, will thou give them a pastor according to thy heart, 
a man who will lead them in the ways of the Lord and be an example of vital godliness. We pray, Lord, may thy kingdom come and may thy glory be upheld here in the midst of the congregation. We pray thee, Lord, that we may reverence thy house, that we may reverence thy day, that we may not take our cues from the world or from modern-day Christianity, but that we may be based upon the living Word of God, that as Joshua once said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May that also be the mindset, not only of these young couples here in front of the church, but may that be generally in the midst of the congregation, the desire and the prayer. Lord, will thou therefore grant revivals and awakenings that the congregation may be spared, that the consistory may be blessed with wisdom and insight and grace. Lord, we pray thee also for the sister congregation of Picture Butte, when this morning they wish to vote for Pastor Schumann. We pray, Lord, wilt thou make all things well. May the vote be very clear. And could it be that thou wilt incline the heart of Pastor Schumann that to come here, if it is so pleasing in thy sight? Wilt thou order all things? Lord, remember thy church worldwide. Extend her richly. And will thou glorify thy name? Be with us now in this service and strengthen thy servant to proclaim thy word and hear us for Jesus' sake alone. Amen. Shall we then now sing Psalter 213, the stanzas 1, 2, and 5. 213, stanzas 1, 2, and 5.
beloved congregation, the account of the departure of Israel from the land of Egypt will be quite familiar to nearly all of us. And we know how the Lord did miraculous things that the people never expected. He brought disaster upon disaster upon the people of Egypt and upon Pharaoh. And finally, they wanted them to leave. Don't stay any longer. Depart. First, they didn't want them to leave, but then, after the firstborn had been slain, they wanted them to leave. And so the people of Israel left Egypt, and they were to come into a howling wilderness. Where would they go? They had never been there before. Well, Moses had once traveled through what we call the Sinai Peninsula, and he had lived on the other side of what we call today the Gulf of Aqaba, that would be current-day Saudi Arabia. That was where the land of Midian was. So Moses had been there before, but really they didn't know where to go. There were no clear paths. They would have taken the caravan route to the east. And that would lead them to the Sinai Peninsula, would take them a certain amount of time, some days, maybe some weeks, and then they would hit what we call the top of the Gulf of Aqaba, where present-day Eilat is in Israel. But before they reached that spot, the Lord told them, now you must turn around and go south. The Lord led them about, it says in our Bible. It means the Lord led them in a roundabout way. So they went down south. That's where they had to go. The people of Israel didn't understand it because they didn't know that Canaan is in the other direction. But they had to go this way. And there were no paths there. And finally they ended up going in between two mountain ranges through that valley and that led them eventually to the Red Sea. That's what we currently call Nueva Beach. And there they were stuck. And there they said to Moses, what have you done? And then Moses said, what must we do? He cried to the Lord, and the Lord said, why are you crying to me? Let the children of Israel go forwards, but there's, an, there's a sea, a deep sea in front of us. So Moses had to stretch out his staff over the sea. And then the miracle happened. The Lord led them through the Red Sea. And we know how it all went. How they arrived on the other side. And that's where they rejoiced in God's gracious and miraculous guidance. And then they could continue on their journey to the Mount Horeb, the Mount of God, and so on. But 
how did they exactly know where to go? They knew the way because the Lord guided them. There was a pillar of a cloud in front of them. And at night, that same pillar would turn into fire. It was a miraculous phenomenon it had never happened before. It was a supernatural token of God's presence, and the Lord did not take that cloud of, by day away, nor the pillar of fire from night. Throughout the entire journey, that pillar was there. It was a sign of God's presence. It was a sign of God's nearness. Now, we've just had administration of holy baptism. And holy baptism is a sign, we know that, of God's covenant that he establishes with us. It's a sign of God's presence with us. It's a sign of God's grace and goodness The Lord was leading the people of Israel, but the Lord is leading us as well. He is leading us through His Word, through the promises of His Holy Word. And it's a call to, that, that, that the baptism is a call to trust the Lord, to follow Him, to obey Him, just as the people of Israel had to obey the Lord. And when they doubted, would the Lord be here? They simply had to look and they could see that huge pillar of a cloud, and at night that pillar of fire. They knew the Lord was there, so they could trust. And so we have received a sign of holy baptism, and that's a sign that we may also trust the Lord and His Word. We wish to meditate in this service of administration of baptism upon the pillar of a cloud. And we see the portrayal of that pillar, the purpose of that pillar, and the permanence of that pillar. So the pillar of a cloud, we see the portrayal of that pillar. What does it mean? And then the purpose of that pillar, why the Lord had given it, and also the permanence of that pillar. The Lord did not take it away. We know congregation from ancient history that when caravans would travel through the wilderness, through the desert, they would make use of what they called a caravan fire. And that consisted of a small iron grated vessel with a wood fire burning in it. And that will be fastened at the end of a long pole. And that will be hanging out in front of the lead camel of that caravan. And during the daytime, there would be smoke. And the people following the caravan, they would know exactly where the lead camel would be. They knew which direction they had to go. And if the caravan would be traveling at night, they could see the fire burning in that grated vessel, so they knew which way they had to go. But what we find here in Exodus 13 is not to be compared to this custom. Because this cloud was not produced by an ordinary caravan fire. 
It had a miraculous, supernatural origin. We also not to think that there were two pillars. No, there's one pillar. During the day, it was a cloud, and in the night, it changed into fire. And in this all, we see the loving kindness of God, that He accommodated Himself to the senses of the people of Israel. They could see, and they could notice. The Lord could have guided them in some other way, could have told Moses where to go, but the Lord wanted to have a cloud that all the people could see, that it did not hinge upon one man. They could realize the nearness of the Lord. They could see the sign of God's presence. And this is actually comparable to a sacrament because God compares himself to that pillar of a cloud. He was in that cloud. There he was present with the people in that cloud. And they never had to fear. They should never have had to murmur. And they never should have murmured or grumbled or complained. They simply had to look up and know the Lord is with us. It may not be easy. It may be hot. It may be weary. We may be thirsty. But somehow the Lord will provide. He is there with us. But instead what the people did, they complained. And why did they complain? Because they didn't believe the Lord. They did not believe His Word. They didn't rest upon His Word. While the Lord was showing them continually that He is the protector of His people. And likewise, the Lord is also the guardian of His people here on earth. As the Lord was present in the wilderness with the people of Israel, the Lord is present with His church. And that's portrayed also by baptism. It's portrayed by the Lord's Supper. It's portrayed by His Word that is upon us. But it's also portrayed by baptism. Wherever you go, whatever you do, that sign of baptism is upon your head. The Lord sees you, knows what you are doing. He is every word what you are saying. He is present. And so the Lord is saying, I am the Lord thy God. And that's very personal. The Lord is not saying, I am the Lord your God, because your is actually the plural form. It means all the people. But when the Lord says, I am the Lord thy God, that's a singular. He's talking to each one of you every Sunday morning when the law is read, I am the Lord thy God. He is present. He's continually showing you who He is, that He is your God. And that doesn't mean we're automatically saved no, that's not the issue. The issue is not saying something about us. The issue is it's saying something about who God is. And our response should be faith, should be surrender, should be trusting. It should be obedience, the obedience of faith. What is faith? It's not a feeling. It's not thinking, oh, it'll all work out well, or God is good and there's no problem. And No, faith is 
bare bones obedience. When everyone goes against you, you say, but no, I am my house. We will serve the Lord. And I'm not going by what the world dictates. I'm going by what the Lord tells me. And that's how parents are to raise their children in the fear of the Lord. You're not to look at the world. You're not to look at other people. You have to be at home in the Word of God yourself. God has entrusted you a most precious gift, a living person, a soul. And what your child will do in in its life hinges partially, not fully, partially on what you tell that child. And what you tell that child, that child will never forget. It will always remain with that child. Even if that child has also his own responsibility, that's why it said it's partially dependent upon you, but he has his own responsibility. And if he chooses to to depart from the Lord, then it's his responsibility. But what you told him will remain with him. He will know of the truth. And you may raise your child in the expectation that your child will belong, will be with the Lord. Because your child is baptized. And so you from your side, should drip that Word of God into the heart of your child. And you from your side should be a living example of godliness. And that's the hardest part. How do you learn that godliness? By getting on your knees in your personal, quiet room to be alone, with God, to pour out your heart before the Lord and to ask of Him grace that your child would forever belong to the Lord and that you yourself may love God with everything you have, that you may obey Him and seek to live as close as you can to the Lord. That's faith. That's what we are called to do for our children. And you may be comforted by baptism because He is your God. That's the sign of baptism. So you may say, If thou art my God, I call upon thee to give me what I need because I can't do it alone. Not in this world, not in this age. And it was never possible to do without the Lord. But what you can't do, he's willing to do. When you need faith, when you need repentance, he's willing to give that. He demands that of you. But with the other hand, he gives it to you. All you need I will give to you all you stand in need of. Open your mouth wide, Psalm 81, and I will fill it because he is with you.
There are quite some people who are baptized but don't believe those words of the Lord. And they rest on the fact, well, if God is our God, it'll all be fine. But it will not be fine. Because you must be born again. You must learn to live by faith. And so we are to follow. Just as the people of Israel, what did they have to do? They had to follow the pillar of a cloud wherever it went. Even when it went in a roundabout way. And so we are called to follow. Actually, the cloud referred to the Lord Jesus. Because who was in that cloud? It was the not yet incarnate Son of God. He was in that cloud. And in Revelation 10, we read Christ portrayed as clothed with a cloud. And his feet are pillars of fire. It's through Christ that God could be merciful to those people. It's through Christ that God can be merciful to us. For we are unworthy. We deserve nothing. We have sinned against God grievously. Have you ever had an impression of that? Has, has that ever made you very small before the Lord? That you realize I'm entitled to nothing. And if thou wouldst leave me to myself, thou wouldst do no injustice. And yet, I plead upon thy word. Because the Lord can never circumvent his own word. And that's your hope. His word. That cloud was a gracious gift of the Lord. Just as baptism is a gracious gift to you. But what was the purpose of that pillar? The purpose of that pillar, well, it was to lead the people, to guide them. They didn't know the way through the wilderness. It was a pathless wilderness, but the pillar would lead them. There were dangers in the wilderness. It was a dry, barren wilderness. And so the Lord gave them this pillar. For the Lord is such a tender guide to all those who flee to him. He is the good shepherd. He himself went through the howling wilderness of this world. He went into the depths of being forsaken of God. He even went through death. He knows the way. He knows the way through life. He is able to lead you. The Lord is saying unto you, Look unto me, and I will take care of all your needs. And so the Lord calls us with all our needs to lay them before the Lord. It's all underscored in baptism. We can say God's word is for us a guide. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And so the word of God also reveals pitfalls and points out dangers. It shows you byways upon which you can stumble and that you leave the narrow path and you go on side roads that lead to destruction. 
And so the Lord leads and guides through his word. And what a comfort it must have been for Moses to have seen this pillar of a cloud. And what a comfort it must have been for the people of Israel to know our God is with us. He will watch over us. He is there. Every morning they could see the pillar of the cloud. And when at night they couldn't sleep and maybe they were worrying, someone would get out of his tent and there would be the fiery pillar. The Lord is with us. We do not have to fear. We simply need to obey and to follow and to trust and to look to him. For the Lord will never leave. He will guide with his eye. Apparently it can happen in the desert that you can see a mirage. Maybe you have it here in Alberta too at times when there's a hot summer and you see, see uh, simmering in the, in the horizon. It seems as if there is a, an oasis in deserts. You have that. And... Uh, And people at times can see even water fountains and beautiful palaces and gardens. They see it's right over there. They're in the middle of the wilderness of a desert. And then they go there and there's nothing. It's a mirage. And so we in our lives can be deluded by fantastic perspectives which are outside the Word of God, which go against the will of the Lord, but the world says that's very beautiful. And we are led astray. You don't have to be so strict. You don't have to be so dedicated. You're a good person the way you are. And so you don't have to be so, so devoted to the Lord and you don't have to be so, so precise. And, but it's a delusion because you can never be too precise enough. You can never be too dedicated enough because the Lord is worth everything. And many people who say it's it's not that important, they don't understand the fear of the Lord. The Lord does not know them either. They're outside of salvation. People can be deluded so we need a guide through life. And that guide is the Lord and His Word. That pillar of a cloud also gave them shade. It protected them from the heat. This cloud would have given protection, shadow, shade. So often we find the Lord is a shade The Lord is a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And so we need the Lord as a shade, as a shadow in the heat of affliction, in the hardships of life, in the disappointments. We need the Lord as a refuge. Well, He is there in His Word close by us. The Apostle Paul spoke about this pillar of a cloud and said that the children of Israel were baptized in this cloud, and they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2. And so our children are baptized unto the Lord in this cloud. And the Lord is offering His protection, His shade. 
and how we need the Lord in these days in which the foundations of our society are being overthrown, how we need to be under the shadow of His wings. This cloud also functioned as a light in the darkness of the night. The Israel people were never really in the dark because they walked in the light, and even at night there was light to comfort them and to lead them in this howling wilderness. In the darkest night, the pillar of fire gave them light. And so we can say the Lord Jesus is the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. But many people don't want to walk in his light because his light uncovers us. His light shows what's wrong in our lives. His light exposes our corruption, our sin, our sinful attitudes. And many people prefer the artificial light of this world. But that will end up in such will end up in outer darkness. But people love the darkness more than the light of Christ. Oh, let us look to the Lord Jesus as the light of the world. This pillar of a cloud was also a defense. For we see the pillar of the cloud was lifted up, especially at the Red Sea, and, was, and it was placed between the Egyptians and the people of Israel. And then the Lord caused darkness upon the Egyptians and instilled fear into them. They didn't dare go any further. And in the meantime, on the side of the Israelites, that cloud gave light, and the people could go orderly through the Red Sea. And when they were all through the Red Sea, then the cloud was removed. And then the Egyptians saw what had happened, and they went into that same path, and you know what happened to them. But it was all a defense, a protection. And so the Lord Jesus is a sure defense, a protection against spiritual enemies, a protection against the inclinations of our own heart. The Lord is a sure protection. He stands between the enemy and his people. He shields them. He took the brunt of the battle in assaulting the devil and crushing his head on the cross. And so this pillar of a cloud was intended to let the people trust, trust in the Lord. They were simply to follow the Lord. When there would be difficulties or disappointments, they should have looked to the cloud. And so when there may be difficulties in our life or questions we don't understand, let us look to the Lord. And He will give us instruction as to what we need. We may not give an answer to every question, but He will answer what we need. We may look to Him, to His Word. And when we think also of the unworthiness of these people, these people of Israel, 
They hadn't deserved such a guidance, such a protection, such a shade, such a defense. And we are also unworthy. We don't deserve to have baptism. We don't deserve to be here under the shower of God's Word. The Lord is still showering His blessings upon us, but the Lord can also remove them from us if there's unbelief and and indifference to His blessings. Let us treasure the showers of God's Word coming upon us. We're not worthy of the least of His blessings, and it's good to confess that before the Lord that the Lord does not deal with us according to our sins. And so we should be deeply humbled before the Lord. And all Israel was under the cloud, but many died in the wilderness. They did not enter the promised land. They died. Why? Because of their unbelief. They had the cloud there. They didn't believe the Lord. They went against Moses. They went against the commandments of the Lord. They went against even the Ten Commandments by building, by erecting their own golden calf while the pillar was there. All along the pillar was there. They didn't believe the Lord and then the Lord caused them to be killed to die in the wilderness. You know, baptism is a call to us to be converted. It's a call to us to forsake our own life and to look to the Lord and to be converted. Are you converted? The Lord is willing to give conversion everything you need. Why is he willing to do that? Because he one-sidedly entered into a covenant with you. NATO is a covenant. If one country is attacked, they will all respond. And that's just a human alliance. But God enters into an alliance with us and says, all you need I'm willing to give Let us look to Him in trust. Although we are defiled, although we stand for impossibilities, although we do not know how, we know the Lord is in control. Let Him be our refuge. The Lord does miracles of deliverance. I don't know you all, but I trust that many here, and some of you I do know, of those miracles of deliverance which the Lord has given because He is the living God. The pillar of a cloud is there. It's continually with us as well. And it's permanent. It's permanent. Because the Lord took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Wherever they were, the pillar was there all the way to Canaan. And when you are in concern, in trouble, you have worries about your children, and you are fearing, remember, 
the pillar is there. It's there, right beside you. You don't see it. It's It's there. Why? Because you're baptized. The God of your baptism is there. When you struggle to be converted, look to the God of your baptism. When you need to have more uncovering grace to see your sinful inclinations, the God of your baptism is there. When you need more love to the Lord Jesus, more wisdom to know which way you must go, the Lord of your baptism is there. When you have a cross to bear and you find it so difficult, the God of your baptism is there. He can cause all things to work together for your good. He can grant deliverance in the greatest need. Corrie ten Boom said, There's never a pit too deep for the Lord to get you out of. And how merciful is the Lord. Because the people, they grumbled and they complained, and three days after the Red Sea... They were complaining and groaning while the Lord had just delivered them, had just miracles, and the pillar of a cloud was there. And what did they do? They groaned and complained. Terrible. And we are not better. Do you never complain? I do. That's shame on me. must not do that. And it's also for you. We must look and pray and hope and expect. That's what we must do. In the greatest need, the Lord's hands have not become weak. He slumbers not. He delivers them. He hears the cries of the needy. He saves their souls when death draws nigh. How merciful is the Lord. The Lord did not remove the pillar of a cloud. And so the Lord does not remove baptism from us. He he will never undo The promises of baptism. These promises, you will understand by now, are not declarations what God is going to do regardless. No. When the Lord says He's going to return, He's going to do that whether we believe it or not. But when the Lord speaks of salvation and remission of sins and entrance into glory and being adopted as children of God. Those are not declarations what God is going to do regardless. No, that's an offer of grace, an invitation to salvation in the form of a promise. It's not automatically fulfilled, but He is always there to flee to. And don't think that you can always flee to the Lord when you think that it's a time for you now to come to the Lord, ask Him for forgiveness, ask Him to bring you, and tell the Lord that you trust in Him, and you will do that at your time. Later on, there's enough time to do that. 
you're wrong. Because the time can come in your life that you don't want to pray anymore. And it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. I know those people. Because they have wasted the time of grace. Many of the people of Israel who had gone through the Red Sea, they wasted the time of grace. Now is the time. Today, to get on your knees and to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Shall we sing Psalter 100? We'll sing the stanzas 1 and 4. Blessed Lord, we thank Thee that Thou never will undo the promises of baptism, that Thou wilt never undo what Thou hast declared to us. O Lord, give us a heart that will listen to Thee, that will follow Thee, that will obey Thee. Teach us to love Thee above all. And we thank Thee, Lord, that Thou art willing to give us everything we stand in need of. And so, Lord, we commend one another unto Thee that we would live by Thy grace in faith, that we would live in obedience, that we would know ourselves 
as lost in ourselves, but that there is full salvation in Thee, Lord Jesus Christ. Show us that a life without Thee is worthless and a waste of effort and time, but a life with Thee is a life of blessing, of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of rich blessing. O Lord, Thou wast willing to lead those people into a land overflowing with milk and honey. And Joshua and Caleb, they believed Thee, but the others did not. And they perished in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb, they did come, and they did receive and see and enjoy the land overflowing with milk and honey. And what Thou shalt do to those who wait for Thee, the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard. O Lord, we thank Thee that Thou dost give the very best, last, and permanent. O we pray Thee, teach us to follow Thee. Look upon the whole congregation in grace, especially these, these baptismal parents. Will Thou lead them, Lord, that they may be faithful in the calling Thou hast given them. Bring us back again this evening in Thy house. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We will sing Psalter 445, the third stanza. Doxology is 197. Depart in peace, receiving God's blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Mm -hmm.